You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Of course, we're with you every Monday through Friday starting at 5 o'clock. And lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff on the docket, as they say today. So uh, let's roll. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. 1-800-919-3776. And, you know, I think I'm, uh, uh, until, it doesn't seem like we're getting any decision anytime soon. So I almost feel like we should just leave the lines open. And even when we're not talking about it, if you have some ridiculous idea for punishment for the Houston Astros, and look, the bar is constantly being raised. So when you think, hey, I have one that's kind of out in left field. Sometimes you're going to have to go beyond left field. Sometimes you're going to have to go to the bleachers. Sometimes you're going to have to go out of the stadium. Sometimes you have to even leave the city to really, I mean, as this thing gets further and further along. And yesterday, I think it was yesterday that Rob Manfred, yesterday was the day that I heard the actual quote uh, about when the uh, timeline is going to be for Major League Baseball to hand down a decision in this. And i got to be honest with you, for a lot of you, uh, just based on what the timeline is already, what you want to see happen has literally no shot of happening. So we'll get into that as the uh, course of the day rolls along here. And since we only have an hour, we're going to have to get into it sometime pretty soon. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. The daily poll question is uh, up for today. So we'll get to that in just a second. I am battling a cold. So if you hear moments just like that right now, that was me shutting off my mic so I wouldn't cough in your ear. But let's start with the baseball. Uh, we will uh, get into the Knicks, uh, who had a, a tough loss last night. Uh, what other kind is there, right? Uh, the NCAA punishment for uh, James Weissman. Boy, the NCAA. Do they have a pair? My God, what an outrageous uh, judgment they passed down on that guy. Uh, and then, of course, as I said, Rob Manfred uh, said something yesterday that uh, we have to touch on as well. So, But the phone lines are open, one 800 espn And if you have a specific uh, Astros punishment, uh, we'd love to hear that because, uh, look – there's not enough laughter in the world, is there? So, let, But let's start with the Yankees. Because uh, yesterday, of course, like the rest of Major League Baseball, it wasn't just the Yankees, but uh, had some decisions to make on the uh, 40-man roster with the uh, Rule 5 draft coming up uh, next month. And it's not usually a day that uh, garners huge headlines. And I guess it's not huge headlines, although it is the back page of the papers today. Yankees make a couple of moves. They finally cut ties with Jacoby Ellsbury. I know what you're saying. Jacoby Ellsbury was still on the team? Yeah, he was. I know you probably forgot about him outside of uh, some uh, articles here or there about, hey, whatever happened to that guy? Uh, and they finally cut ties with uh, Greg Bird as well. I guess Bird, there's still the possibility they could bring back, but uh, they designated him for assignment, which is, oh, isn't, isn't that a really weird term for you're not playing on the team anymore? We've designated you for assignment. Oh, really? I got a new assignment. What's my assignment? Uh, you're not going to play here anymore. Oh, okay. I think I can pull that one off. Well, you have to pull it off because we're not allowing you to play on the team anymore. Just like if you're going to change the disabled list to the injured list or the injury list, I think designated for assignment, I feel like that's one of those terms. There's certain sports terms that just feel like they need an update. Load management. The management of loads does not sound like a really good term. I feel like that's something that could be worked out a little bit better. Better phrasing. Phrasing, people. It's all about the phrasing. So, all right. Anywho, uh, you hear plenty about today, you will, and I guess last night, about how the Yankees are eating the $26 million left on Jacoby Ellsbury's contract. He had one more year 
which uh, I got to be honest, I, I kind of forgot how many years he had left. Now, I knew he was still on the team. I actually thought he had more years left just because of what an albatross that contract was, really from the moment they signed him. I mean, it was that was not one of those, like sometimes you sign contracts and it just turns out wrong. That was not one of them. That was one that I feel like most of us thought at the time, boy, that's a really strange deal. 30-year-old outfielder who's, who's a lot of his value is based on speed, was, had only been to like one all-star game, was not uh, some superstar kind of player. But you'll hear a lot today about how the Yankees are eating the $26 million on uh, Ellsbury contract. And it was a terrible contract, as I said, not even in hindsight at the time. I mean, with the Yankees, he never had an OPS of over 750. He had won the first year he was slightly above average. And then after that, he was uh, way below average and basically didn't play. But you'll hear about the eating of the money. The thing about that is the Yankees were eating the money anyway. Like, he was never going to play again for the Yankees. I mean, that much was pretty clear, right? Like, outside of seeing him in spring training for like a minute or two playing catch with somebody, it doesn't feel like there was any pipeline or any scenario where he was coming back to the team. And when the news came down about Aaron Hicks needing the Tommy John I can't remember who it was, but somebody floated the idea. I thought it was almost as a joke that maybe Ellsbury could be somebody who, uh, at least in the in the short term, could be a possibility. And at the time, Brian Cashman, who really doesn't give a lot of direct answers, you know, like he'll try to find the wiggle room in every question. Even he was like, yeah, I don't think that that's really a possibility because the guy's just not healthy. So um, it's a shame that his career ends that way. It could be worse, right? He's getting $26 million on the way out the door. So, again, nobody's going to be crying any tears for him. But, uh, yeah, terrible contract. Not really a surprise to the Yankees. And I don't even know necessarily that it was about the money because the money was going to be the same no matter what. Uh, I think it was just about the roster spot and saving, you know, protecting guys for the Rule 5 draft. Now, as for Greg Burb, there was, at least as of yesterday, it still seemed like that one was a little bit more up in the air about whether or not he would be back or not. And now that he's not, you know, almost certainly not going to be back, people will uh, bring up the injuries that, that that's why he was never able to become what we thought he was going to be, uh, when he came up in 2015 in the playoff series in 2017 when he had these moments. Um, well, obviously the injuries, I'm sure, played some sort of role, but I don't think that it was, I don't think it was exclusively that. I mean, even when he was healthy, even when he did play, he was not good. Like, go look at the numbers. We ran down the numbers yesterday. He w- it was not even that he was not good. He was terrible. He was like a, a batting average of 190, an on-base of 280, and a slugging of under four. I mean, constantly struck out. And it's almost like people, when they're describing Greg Bird and, you know, what has happened to him here the last few years, that almost like he was Nick Johnson. Like that he performed when he was healthy, but he just could never stay healthy. No, Nick Johnson, which maybe is a little while ago now for some Yankee fans, he was a first baseman who was hurt all the time, lefty bat, looked like he you know, really thought that he was going to be part of the future long term. Um, but Nick Johnson was elite at getting on base. Even with all his injuries, even with all the time missed, he's still a guy that got on base 40% of the time. That was not Greg Bird. 
So for Greg Bird, hopefully eventually he he does get healthy. It seems kind of far-fetched to think that that will be the case now. And it seemed like an annual thing in spring training where Greg Bird would be healthy for a few weeks. He'd be tearing the cover off the ball, and then you get into the season, and it was this injury or that injury. Almost like, um, I mean, it felt like every time there was a play at first base with Greg Bird where he was stretching or or moving in in a, you know, not routine way, you're like, oh, God, here comes the injury. So I think it was kind of time to move on. And it's not like, you know, the Yankee first base situation is all locked up. That's still pretty much up in the air there as well. There's a lot of guys, you know, you see how Luke Voigt comes back and uh, all the other possible options. But I think it was time to move on, and uh, obviously that is what the Yankees did. one 800 espn one 800 Then you have the Knicks. Oh, the Knicks. Um, in Philadelphia last night to play the 76ers. Good first half. Really strong third quarter. They built up a 17-point lead. And uh, like that part of the movie where you're like, man, this is just going along too too easy. There's got, there's got to be something here that uh, happens because this is just uh, it's too perfect. And uh, clearly it was too perfect. Uh, Knicks lost the 76ers 109-104. to 104. Clearly that would have been uh, their best win of the season. When you have only four wins, it's not hard to pinpoint the best wins of the season. So, uh, yeah, that would have been, and it was a painful loss. If you are a Nick fan watching that game from start to finish, you would have liked to have been able to pull that one off to make you feel a little bit better about what the direction of the team is right now. But I think clearly they ran out of gas. They're not as good as the Phil- – I know this is going to be a really hot take. The Philadelphia 76ers are a lot better. And it feels like there should almost be like a – you ever hear of like people who do like daily affirmations? It feels like as a voice of reason, that would be me, um, that I have to have a daily affirmation for Nick fans. And the affirmation would be your roster is not good. Your team is not good. This season is not primarily about wins and losses. If you If your expectation for this year is based – primarily on wins and losses, oh my God, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And you saw, even when the Knicks have any sort of success whatsoever, you see there's a portion of fans like, well, you know, if we get this kind of effort more times than not, this team could be 35, 38, maybe 39. They are not going to win 35 games. And you are not going to get consistent performances from this team. Look at who's on the team. This season, it seems like basic stuff for anybody who's got a pair of eyes. This year has to be about developing the players. So R.J. Barrett had a strong game at some, you know, at one point last night, did not finish all that well. The Knicks didn't finish all that well. Uh, Marcus Morris, who, you know, was having a, a pretty good game up until one point, the fourth quarter, he took some very questionable shots. But it's about it's about the the young guys and finding out. Well, look, Barrett, you, you certainly think he's a foundational piece, but it's a, this year should be about finding out for sure what other pieces, if any, can be part of the long term future. Now, I like what I've seen from Neil Aquina so far. Had a good game offensively last night. Didn't have you know the defense is pretty much consistent. Outside of scoring, really didn't impact the game uh, all that much on the offensive side. You know, didn't have really any assists, didn't have any rebounds last night. So um, you you want to see him on a consistent basis and find out what he is for sure. And now, what is this, his third season? Seeing if you can get any consistency out of Dennis Smith Jr. 
finding out what Kevin Knox is for sure, if you can, if that's something of value, Mitchell Robinson. So for Nick fans, I know it's a painful loss. Well, anytime you blow a 17-point lead against a team that is clearly a, a playoff team this year, even though maybe they haven't played up to expectations so far, I would simply say, this is what it is, guys. Take your medicine. Accept that this is what it is. And accept that, you know, for the most part, you got a, a good effort last night. That might that might sound like uh, faint praise. You can't go out and get destroyed every single night. Nobody's asking for that. But you can't be basing it simply on wins and losses, even when you have a 17-point lead. you got to look a little bit to uh, the forest from the trees. And in the moment, I get it. It's painful when it happens. But to think that uh, you're going to take the pulse of the Knicks after every single game and think, that well, if they win this game, that means that. No, it doesn't. They're not a good team. They will not be a playoff team. They will be back in the lottery again this year. And you're hoping that besides R.J. Barrett, you can find some other pieces that, you know what, by the time you get to the end of the season, you know for sure, all right, this guy has come from here and now he's there and he's going to be part of this. And maybe it might only be two or three pieces. It's not probably going to be all five or all six. I'll tell you that right now. It's not. They're all not going to come back exclamation points. A lot of the question marks will remain question marks. But I think last night showed you a decent effort, a decent performance, and hopefully now David Fisdale can get his daily vote of confidence from uh, James Dolan. I feel like that would make me feel less confident, right? Like if every single day you're getting a vote of confidence, I don't know. I feel like that would be a little bit uh, counterintuitive. I don't think that that would actually be what you would actually want. No, your job, I really believe it. Every single day, I don't know. Maybe just me. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. So the poll question, which is up for today, it is on Twitter. And look, we have been, and by we, I mean I, have been on an amazing run of these poll questions. The last two days, we pointed it out. A, Wednesday, uh, uh, no, Tuesday, we came up with, um, by we, I mean I, we came up with one that made the Nets seem interesting, right? That's one thing. I mean, to do that once in a week, that you could call it the week. You could walk out the door. Then yesterday, we somehow figured out a way to get everyone to agree on something involving Colin Kaepernick. Oh, my God. I feel like I should be up for the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't really know what they give that for, but I feel like I should at least be nominated. Today, we have another one. It is, which of the following is the least surprising story from yesterday? We gave you four options. A, the Yankees eat Jacoby Ellsbury's, not Jacoby Ellsbury, they didn't eat him. Uh, they eat his $26 million on his contract. B, the Knicks blow a 17-point lead in a loss to the Sixers. C, Ben Simmons hits a three. Or D, Greg Bird gets DFA, designated for assignment. And again, his assignment is to never play again for the team. More than likely. More than likely. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. Coming up, I'll give you my answer. We'll take your phone calls. Uh, we'll get you involved in that. We will get into uh, the latest twists and turns in the Astros saga, which to me is absolutely fascinating uh, because it is still so open-ended. I think the only thing you can say for sure when it comes to the story, and this has not uh, come from Major League Baseball as of yet, is it's clear the Astros did this. To what level they did this remains to be seen. Did they continue to, and Major League Baseball has to find this out, streamline the system from where it was in 2017? 
2017, it is absolutely crystal clear. The evidence is overwhelming at this point that they cheated. Just as it is being laid out, they cheated. So now it's only a question of, did they stop this for some reason? Or did this just continue on from 2017? Basically, three entire seasons. And what the punishment should be, obviously that's a conversation we've been having for a while. But what Rob Manfred said yesterday, for a lot of you who have floated a lot of kooky, crazy things, he has basically taken one avenue to punish the Astros completely off the table. So we'll get into that coming up. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Actually, we'll go out to the phones. I always forget to get to the phones early enough. And uh, I think that that's something I need to fix, clearly. It's your fault, Brian. I I blame you. You don't get in my ear nearly enough about this. All all the good things of the show, that goes to me. All the things that need to be tweaked, on you. Let's go to Valentino in Brooklyn. Valentino, what's going on, my man? Good morning, Mr. Damon. How are you feeling today, sir? I'm feeling great. Great, good. Earlier you were talking about the Knicks, and you said they had a 17-point lead in the third quarter, which is true. Yeah. I have a problem with, uh, you say they've blown the lead. Yeah. I don't think that's the problem. If you look at the officiating, every time the Knicks have a large lead, the officiating become lopsided, <laughs> and ticky-tack calls begin right. to happen. It takes the team out of their rhythm, yep. and it allows the other team back in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's been going on for some years. Just take a look at all the Knicks games this season, and you uh, take a percentage of the calls that went for them against them, and you see what I'm talking about. And it's a pattern I can almost, I can come in the room and say, wow, the Knicks Ahead, uh oh, the officiating going to change. Watch, and you begin to see it. Well, I mean, it's the NBA, right? I mean, that? well, I don't, I don't think that that's the prime. I don't think that, like, if I was listing the problems of the Knicks, I would not say that the officiating is something that's really uh, tying tying their hands or, or holding them back. Uh, I think that a, it's the NBA, right? Like, any time a team has not even a seventeen point lead, it could be a twenty point lead, it could be a twenty five point lead. You know that the probably it's the league where everybody makes a run. So it's not really all that surprising that uh, even with a 17-point lead in the third quarter, that a team, any team, even the Knicks, couldn't hold that lead. So uh, in regards to the poll, I would not say that the, officiate, the officiating, I'm sure, in every sport. Uh, but I, although last night is another perfect example of the difference in the officials' mindset in all the other sports except for baseball. Julius Randle gets called, I guess it was, what was it, a moving pick there at the end? And it seemed like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a shaky call. And he was not happy about it. He's, he's jawing at the official. Seemed like, I'm not a lip reader, but seemed like he was throwing in a couple of adult words, as we might, earmuffs for the kids. He didn't get teed up. The official didn't have rabbit ears and go over to him and stare or stare him down or... In Major League Baseball, any time a player basically says anything, the officials are so confrontational that it leads to ejections, it leads to confrontations constantly. And why is that not the case in other sports? The NFL, you're telling me that NFL players are 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 presenting their arguments in a, a less uh, confrontational way than baseball players are? But you never see you never see a football player get ejected for arguing a call with the officials. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just missing it, but it doesn't happen very regularly in Major League Baseball. It happens on a night in, 
night out basis. So that's one of the things that I think baseball has to fix. But, all right, the poll question today. It's uh, up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. We've been doing an amazing job. And, again, by we, I mean I. Of the following, which is the least surprising story from yesterday? We gave you four options. I think all four kind of qualify. A, the Yankees eat Jacoby Ellsbury's $26 million. B, the uh, the, uh, Knicks blow a 17-point lead and they lost the Sixers. I couldn't fit Sixers in there. You can only fit so much. But you know, it's not like they played a doubleheader. C, Ben Simmons hits a three. Or D, Greg Bird gets a designated four assignment. Uh, Well, look, I I think that this one is not really all that complex. The the least surprising thing about the Knicks uh, is not that they blew the 17-point lead. The most surprising thing about the Knicks is that they had a 17-point lead. How many of us thought last night going into that game, that it was really going to be that competitive. And it was really right down to the wire. So the fact that the Knicks had a 17-point lead, that's pretty surprising. So the fact that they blew it, I guess, to me, is not all that surprising because, again, the Sixers are a far better team. And when the rubber hits the road in these fourth quarters, I think that that, even when the Knicks do have a good effort and put up a good game, uh, I think that that against a team like the Sixers is not really all that surprising. Ben Simmons hits the three. That would not seem like... Uh, again, it would be all that surprising. I guess the more surprising aspect of that is that he took a three, that he felt confident enough. I think Mitchell Robinson was the guy guarding him. It was almost like Mitchell Robinson, oh, my God, he's he's going to try it? It was like he was laying off of him. It was like, oh, geez, I, I didn't think that was a possibility. So I don't think that that was the most surprising. So really it comes down to one of the two uh, Yankee moves. Um, is it Greg Bird getting DFA'd? Or is it uh, the Yankees eating Jacoby Ellsbury's contract? I would probably go with Jacoby Ellsbury's contract simply because what's the difference? Like, really, what's the difference between them paying him $26 million and he's not on the – I mean, for you as a fan, for me as a fan, like watching the games, there was no point here. I guess the last time he played was 2017. It feels like even longer ago than that, doesn't it? It feels like there has not been even a push here. Ah, he's he's doing this and he's going to get back at this point. Or he's doing that and he's going to get back maybe uh, by midseason. It didn't even feel like he was a possibility. So really, what's the difference between them paying him $26 million and they have the roster spot or paying him $26 million and he's not on the team anymore? So to me, that would be the least surprising one. one 800 espn one 800 All right, couple stories that we got to get into next. A, the Astros thing. Mark Teixeira had some very interesting things to say on the, uh, what is it, the Baseball Tonight podcast. Jeff Passan was on uh, the ESPN Daily podcast, also had some very interesting things to say about what the uh, what the Astros were doing. And then Rob Manford, I don't believe we have the sound of Manford, but I'll read you what the quote is. And already, this is a, if you were expecting the Astros to get hammered and it really to impact next season for them, that's pretty much out the window. So we'll get into all those three things next. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Panarin at the circle. Back up top to Fox. Fox at the blue line. Back to Kako. Straight away to Panarin. Creeps up. Fires and scores! Artemi Panarin on the power play. And the Rangers take a one nothing lead. D'Angelo. The Strom of the far circle. Back down low to Kako. He moves to his forehand. Back to Panarin who scores! His second power play goal of the game. It's 2 nothing. All right, so there's Don LaGreca on the call last night. The uh, Rangers get some uh, big goals there from Panarin and uh, go on for a win. 
Over the Capitals. That's a good win, I think, right? They beat the Capitals. Capitals are good. I know that much. Even me. Even I know that. So there you go. The call's right here on night. It was, they were on here, right? Or were the Knicks on here? Where was the game last night? Do we know where the game was? We had the they game. They were on 1050. They were on 1050. All right. So there you go. But, uh, great calls from uh, Don LaGreca. And uh, the Rangers get a win. Good for them. So uh, there's your moment of inspiration for this uh, Thursday morning. As uh, we've been talking a lot about the baseball, the Yankees moves, the poll question, which is up for today. But I did want to, and I feel like this almost has to be at this point, right, like a daily segment on the show. This story is so big and so important. I feel like every single day, you know, you have you have certain things that you mine every single day, right? You always, if the Knicks play, we're always going to talk about the Knicks. The Yankees make a move, we're always going to talk about the Yankees. The Mets, the, the Giants, the Jets. So there's all these things. At this point, the Astros cheating scandal is one that you have to mine every single day for any new information. It's that important. It's that big. So here's some thoughts from around baseball. Mark Teixeira, A, was uh, talking on the Baseball Tonight podcast. And I think his perspective, at least the areas that he is looking at, and at this point it's not really about proving any further that the Astros did this, at least not in 2017, you might want to look for more information, and Major League Baseball certainly will. It's hard for me to believe that they just did this in 2017 and then moved on from it. So, especially considering how effective it was. Here's Mark Teixeira talking on the Baseball Tonight podcast about what needs to happen at this next stage. Once Major League Baseball is done with their investigation and they get to the punishment phase, and I think he's absolutely 100% dead on with this. Here's Mark Teixeira. Every player is going to do whatever it takes for him to succeed and for his team to win a game. So players will do whatever it takes. It's up to the adults in the room to say, hey guys, I understand we're trying to relay signs and steal signs, but these are the rules. And so if an executive or any team official not only doesn't call out players or or coaches that are stepping over the line, but actually encourages that type of behavior, they need to be fired and banned from baseball. It's the same thing if a banker from Goldman Sachs sends out an email to his traders, hey guys, let's look for inside information so we can beat the stock market. That doesn't fly in the real world. Yeah, I don't have a business background. I'm sure Mark has a better one. I feel like that does kind of fly in the business world. You'll get punished, right? Um, but for Major League Baseball, let's keep it on that point of view. The more I think about it, and, and you just think about what the scope of this is. If it is proven, which we've already seen, I mean, the A.J. Hinch part of this is, I think, signed, sealed, and delivered. There's no feasible way that that guy could not know that this was going on in his dugout. There was a a, a monitor in his dugout. Is a guy banging on a trash can from behind the wall every single game at home. So clearly he had to know about it. And now that there's already at this young stage of the investigation, email evidence that they wanted to do this, this kind of thing. If that ties up and it almost has to, at this point, right? It, it almost defies reasonability that Jeff Lunau would not know it. It's not just enough. And I was saying yesterday, you have to fire any team official that's involved, I think Mark Deshera is right. It can't just be that you're fired. It has to be that you are banned from the game for a period of time, not just a year. This has to be one of those situations, I think, where you get banned, and then after a period of time, you apply for reinstatement. 
for Jeff Lunau because teams, I mean, they'll fall all over themselves if they think that it, that they'll they'll get success out of the move. So if you simply have Major League Baseball say the Astros must fire Jeff Lunau unless you put some sort of ban in place where he has to apply for reinstatement, it was completely worth it. Now it's going to be completely worth it no matter what. Like it, you cannot really come up with a scenario where it's not worth it for the team if the result is ending up winning a World Series. As, if that's the result, it's always going to be worth it. So I think that it might sound kind of far-fetched. It might be kind of out there that you're going to punish these guys by not just firing them, but banning them at least temporarily for life until maybe a couple years down the road they're allowed to get back into the game. But I think that's absolutely reasonable. That's absolutely um, harsh. And the only real way that you can see this going, because Rob Manfred, and I don't know if he said this yesterday, I only heard about this yesterday, but to me, if, if, they, if he said this two years ago and this wasn't the lead on the story, well, then I think we're, we're, we all kind of missed the boat. He said that the timeline for the investigation is to have it wrapped up by spring training. Wrapped up by spring training? Well, then that takes any avenue of punishment of hurting them in free agency this year or lowering their luxury tax threshold or uh, not allowing them to re-sign certain players. That takes now. Those all things might have been far fetched to begin. With. I don't think the luxury tax threshold one would have been that far fetched, uh, but some of the ones that have been floated, uh, that, that those I think were pretty far out there and not really realistic. But any punishment for this year, for the players, for the roster construction, seems like it's off the table. Now maybe that's good that that will now leave firing executives or team personnel who had knowledge. Of, and participated in this because I think that's a better area uh, and far more punishing than simply saying, well, you can't sign any draft, you know, you, you lose draft picks. I think draft picks is clearly going to be part of it. How much of it is, we'll see. But I think that's far more punishing uh, if you said Jeff Lunau is out, A.J. Hinch is out. That's far more punishing and far more of a detriment to other organizations to make sure they don't do this. And that has to be almost the larger focus for Major League Baseball, not just punishing the Astros for what they've done, but making sure that there is a, a detriment and a real harsh penalty. If anybody else thinks about doing this, you are going to be out of a job and you're going to be banned from the game. That's a punishment. And it's not like the players union is going to go to bat for the uh, for Jeff Lunau or A.J. Hinch. So that's something that is in Major League Baseball's power that I think actually the, the, the punishment kind of fits the crime. Now here's Jeff Passan. He said that the Astros, this is on the ESPN Daily podcast, the Astros scandal is a combination of the Black Sox and PEDs. I bring up PEDs, Mina, because this is the closest thing that Major League Baseball has seen to that since that scandal. This is far and away the biggest issue that baseball has had in the last decade plus, maybe even 20 years. And when you look at that and somebody says to me that this is a combination of the Black Sox and PEDs, you know the gravity of this story is, I think, bigger than Rob Manfred is addressing publicly at this point. 
All right. I don't think it's as big as the Black Sox. The Black Sox were, you know, they threw the World Series. So to me, that one, in terms of the integrity of the game, uh, is worse because they're in direct control of being able to lose the game, even with whatever advanced information. Now, it's important. It's, 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 it's huge. Uh, but even with the advanced information, the Astros still do have to perform in that moment with the advanced information. So I don't think it's the Black Sox scandal, but I do think it's far more serious than PEDs. PEDs, it seems like, that everybody was kind of doing it. So if everybody was kind of, now obviously not everybody, but enough guys were doing it that there was a bit of a level playing field. Baseball has told you they are only looking at the Astros at this point in time. Now maybe other teams, every team is trying to steal signals, but not going to the extent that the Astros did apparently. So uh, to me, it's 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 not the Black Sox scandal, but it is far more uh, serious than the PED scandal in Major League Baseball. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the phone number. Let's go out to uh, Dylan and Freehold. Dylan, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gordon, what's going on? So you said it's not like the Black Sox. I would argue it's just like that. It's literally just the flip side of it. They're like going above and beyond to win, like the Black Sox went above and beyond to lose. And I think it's a little hypocritical if baseball isn't going to come down on these guys with something as severe, like I, I seriously think a lifetime ban should be something that should be considered. Especially for, if you're are, do you mean when you say these out? guys, you mean players or you mean the team personnel? Team personnel. Anybody yeah. who was linked to that email yeah. and anybody who was told to carry out these actions, should be, they should really seriously consider a lifetime ban. Because you take a look at Pete Rose, right? Mm-hmm. All he was doing was betting on his team. It wasn't a competitive advantage or anything like that. These guys are going above and beyond to make sure that they're winning baseball games. And you got to think of also the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the ripple effect of, think about like a guy who's coming up from the minors just to play one game against the Astros, gets his butt whooped and then gets sent back down and never yep. sees the majors ever again. Or somebody who's trying to manage for their, you know, manage for their job. They go into Houston, get walloped, and now they're fired and they can't get a job back in baseball. There's such a ripple effect, too, to all these things. It's not just the Astros winning games. And yeah. I think it seriously warrants a lifetime ban or at least a consideration. Look, Dylan, I, I don't think it is. I'm not saying uh, a lifetime ban for a lifetime. I think that there should be allowed, a, you know, a period of time, uh, maybe two years, maybe three years, uh, that whoever does get something like that can apply for reinstatement, even though reinstatement is not guaranteed or should even be expected. But I do think the more the more you think about it, and I got to be honest, this story is so fascinating to me. Every single day now, I'm like looking for new things and and looking for new. Answers. Angles, uh, and it's so all-encompassing because you, you just think about the problem that Major League Baseball has. I am—I'd be very surprised at this point if the players themselves almost get any punishment. I really would be. Uh, so, if that's the case, and I can't—I I take that away, right? And now, if Rob Manfred's being honest and saying that the investigation likely won't be wrapped up until spring training, which is in February. That's great that they're doing a thorough investigation, but that takes the avenue of roster building in the short term off the table. So what other what other harsh punishments can I come up with that would not just punish the Astros for what they did, but also serve as a detriment for other teams to make sure they never even, not that they don't do this, that they never even think about it. I think lifetime bans, uh, firing of, of Lunau, Hinch, and any other people who were involved, and look, it's email, right? And the Astros were pretty brazen about this. So I, I would be, it would be 
hard for me to believe that there's not more evidence of this out there. And all Major League Baseball has to do is find it at this point. They were brazen. They were out. This was out in the open. And this was pretty much an open secret. So, yeah, I do think that not just suspensions. I think suspensions should be off the table. I think firings is where it starts. And it also starts with lifetime bans. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls. we got to get into uh, Livion Bell. Had some things to say yesterday. He's not doing any more drug tests, just so you're aware. So if you're if you're out and about and you see Livion Bell, do not ask him for any blood. I don't know if you're going to do that anyway, but I don't think so. But there you go. That's off the table. And the NCAA, this kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but they finally came down with a punishment for James Weissman at, uh, at Memphis. And just the gall, just the out, unmitigated gall of one of the aspects of the punishment is out there, and i got to touch on it. So we'll get to that, too. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's almost like uh, there was a book called The Wisdom of Crowds, and it, was, it basically talked about how uh, if you get large crowds of people in certain areas together, that the decisions that they come up with as a group are... L- largely better than any single member of the group. And I feel like uh, now that we've been talking about it, and mostly me, uh, that we've come up with this idea of lifetime bans for people on the Astros. It seems like the only logical decision that Major League Baseball can come up with. If the evidence shows, and not so much for A.J. Hinch. Clearly, A.J. Hinch knew what was going on, was part of what was going on. Uh, really, the only question is, is there direct evidence tying Jeff Lunau to this? And even if there's not direct evidence, it's his team, and he has to know that this type of thing is going – he's he's still responsible for the actions of his team. So I find it harder and harder to believe that baseball is going to come down with some sort of punishment for the players themselves. So that, to me, only leaves – and I think rightfully so. If you can't punish all the players, it would be hard to do so. And it's hard to come up with a punishment that really punishes what the crime was and what the reward for that crime was. Well, then the only thing I think that's really left is suspensions and bans – for the people in the front office and the manager that were involved. Now, a couple of the things that I wanted to touch on uh, before we get back to the phones. Livion Bell says that he's not doing any more uh, drug tests. He's, he's been uh, tested five times so far uh, about blood and all these. I don't know if he's going to actually refuse to it, but, like, what, what does he think is going on? Like, does he think that there's somebody in the league office that has it out for him? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just doesn't care, right? Like, if it's happening to you, you don't care what the reasoning is. You just are sick of it. But usually you hear guys complain when they have a big game or a big performance and they make a big play that they get taste, get, they, they get tested. Uh, safe to say that is not a real worry for Le'Veon Bell. I get he's working in a very tough situation with the Jets and the offense, the offensive line, the quarterback, the team's losing a lot. But it's uh, almost, uh, it's, it's not like he's having a career year, right? It's not like we're saying, wow, how does Le'Veon Bell do it? We pretty much know how it's, it's not uh, going well. And I don't know what the policy is of how many times you can be tested, but you really can't have a policy with something like that where you say, okay, you're going to get tested five times and only five times. Because then what's the motivation? All right, I got my five in. Get me, get me to Balco. Or I don't know what the new thing is. Get me uh, Tony Bosch. And then the NCAA thing with uh, James Weissman. They have suspended him until January, I think it's January 12th. Uh, after the whole thing with him getting payment from uh, from Penny Hardaway. And I, I think the whole thing is kind of silly to begin with. But the unmitigated gall of the NCAA to hand down a fine 
of $11,500 to a college kid who really has no avenue legally to make any money off his name, off his likeness, off his autograph. How the hell is he supposed to pay that? Now, again, maybe he can, maybe, I don't know what his parent's situation is. $11,000 for most people is not a drop in the bucket. That is absolutely outrageous that he has to pay an $11,000 fine to the charity of his choice. Does anybody else think that that's ridiculous? <laughs> He's a college kid. How is he making $11,000? Do you have $11,000 sitting around? Yeah, I, I, I just have it in my back pocket. I'm carrying around $11,000. All right, let's squeeze in some call. Oh, well, we're almost out of time. All right, let's, uh, Anthony in Staten Island, go quickly, my man. Hey, good morning. Um, I don't know if you saw the uh, that whole uh, when the Yankees played the uh, Red Sox out in London. Cora came out and said, you know, the Yankees' biggest acquisition is Will's Beltran. He actually winked. Uh, it's out there on YouTube. But here's my thing, right? Uh, my biggest thing I'm looking at is is that you know you got all the steroid users. I mean, I think this makes them look a little bit better. I mean, you got steroid users, people with pint on their arms, throw pitches. Uh, baseball with Rawlings, you know, doctoring the ball. And so at this point, I'm not a fan of, of saying bans because in my experience, I don't want to hear about someone who's banned for the next 20, 30 years. I don't want the next Pete Rose. I mean, yeah, I, think I mean, but I see, I don't think that that would happen. I mean, Jeff Lunau is not Pete Rose, right? Like most people, if Jeff Lunau walked past them, probably wouldn't even know who he is. Uh, Pete Rose, obviously, we all knew who Pete Rose was and we all you know, rooted for him or watched him in games. So that's a little bit different. Uh, look, I, I don't see, and we'll do, we'll probably touch on this again tomorrow. Uh, I don't see what other punishment that you can come up with that is fair, is reasonable, and actually punishes the crime and also serves as a deterrent for anyone else. All right, it's going to do it for us for today. Hit us up on Twitter, poll question, all that stuff. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.